All right, grab your Bibles and turn with me to Luke chapter 17, Luke chapter 17. And as we, as we turn, I want to say thank you to everybody who's had a, had a part in, in today's service and in, in today's fellowship meal. Uh, Jerry and Matt have both been busy um, frying and smoking chicken, or not chickens. What are we talking about? Turkeys. And uh, so we appreciate you, Darlene. I came by this week and decorated over in the fellowship hall, and we appreciate her and just all those who, who have, have worked today in today's sermon service. We really appreciate each one of you. Today, as we turn to Luke chapter 17, it may be a story you've heard before, but I want you to in it like you've never heard it before, okay? I want you to put yourself in it and try to imagine it's about you or about people that you know or experiences that you've had, and then you see Jesus walk into it, all right? When I think about Thanksgiving, a lot of times this story comes back to mind, and um, so we're going we're gonna to try to put ourselves in there and just ask the Lord as, as we're opening the Word to, to speak to you and to, and to use His Word to, to affect your life today. Luke chapter 17, verse 11. Now it happened as he went to Jerusalem, it's talking about Jesus, he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers, who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices, and they said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, verse 14, he said to them, Go show yourselves to the priests. And so it was, as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, verse 15, when he saw that he was healed, he returned, and with a loud voice he glorified God. And he fell down on his face at his feet and gave him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answered and he said, Well, were there not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except the foreigner? And he said to him, Arise, go your way, for your faith has made you well. Okay? So we're going to look at the life of Jesus and the ministry, and we're going to, and I hope as you do, you'll ask the question, what does it mean to give thanks? Okay? So something that I like to do, spend a lot of time in the shop. There's a lot of equipment going on. There's stuff. And so I listen to stuff. I've always got earbuds in my ears canceling to kind of cancel the outside noise and, and listen. So I listen to podcasts. I listen to murder mysteries. I listen to music. I listen to all sorts of stuff. So I enjoy How many of y'all have listened to Rick Steves? Anybody ever listened to Rick Steves? So just me. All right. I'm going to tell you about Rick Steves. So before we lived out at the farm, we'd, I would I would drive home to Stanbury every day for lunch. And there's always one of two things on the radio. If I turned on NPR, it was either a cooking show or travel with Rick Steves. Actually, I kind of liked both of them. And, and they both tell the history of places. But Rick, Rick Steve, he travels all around the world. And he, got, he started in his career writing guidebooks for the different places that he had been back before everybody Googled everything. Uh, he would write these guidebooks for different cities and, and, uh, and countries around Europe, around different parts of the world. And so then he ended up with a, with a podcast and a, and a show on NPR, and, and every, uh, every day he talks about something different. So on this part, this, this, in the last few years, he wrote a book, and this book's called the, For the Love of Europe. And in this book, he just goes through, you know, country by country and, and, and different cities within that country. And he was in Spain uh, this week as I was listening to him, and he was talking about um, these different pilgrimages that people make to different destinations. And, and the one he was talking about this week was the, was the Camino de Santiago. 
the, the, the road to, to St. James, if you will. Santiago is James in Spanish. And, and he talks about this, this pilgrimage that Christians will make from Paris, France. I think it's 435 miles down to this town in the northwest part of Spain, Galicia. And, and they will... Um, they will, they will, the, the legend is, if you walk the Camino de Santiago and you get to the church, whatever you ask will be granted to you, okay? So every year, thousands and thousands of people make this pilgrimage down to this church. It takes 30 to 35 days if they're, if they're walking all the way from Paris. And Jesus, in this story, you know, this idea of pilgrimage, I, I, I listen to things like that. And I want to do it. Like, I want to go make that 35-day trek and walk from Paris to, to Iglesia. But did I lose my sound? Okay. And G this idea of pilgrimage is not new. Jesus was actually making a pilgrimage in this story. He was in the northern part of Israel, and he was coming down to Jerusalem to what they would call the, one of the pilgrim feasts. There were three different pilgrim feasts that the Jews kept every year. And Jesus was on his way to, uh, to keep one of those feasts, the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And Scripture says, as he went, walking south from the north side of Israel, instead of walking on the east side of the river, side of the Sea of Galilee through Israel's territory, Scripture says he went to the west. And he went through this area called what? Samaria. And Samaria was the place where Jews don't go. Samaria was the place when the Jews were taken off into captivity. Some of them stayed in the land, intermarried with the, with the tribes around them. The Jews looked at them as half-breeds and, 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 and dogs and outcasts. They didn't want anything to do with them, okay? So the, so the Jews would go out of their way to not walk through a Samaritan town or to have contact with a Samaritan person lest they become ritually unclean. So the Samaritans had their own culture. They had their own temple, actually, until the Jewish people tore it down. They, they had a form of the worship of God that had been passed down through their, their people for generations. But the Jews looked at them and said, they are not part of God's special people, and, and we don't want anything to do with them, okay? So what's really wild in this story is that Jesus doesn't do what every other Jew in Israel would do on his way to the pilgrim feast. You don't want to come to Jerusalem with your sacrifice, and, you know, this is the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and, and, and you're supposed to be clean from the inside out. Even your house is supposed to be wiped and scrubbed clean, right? So on the way there, you don't want to get dirty, Ritually dirty, spiritually dirty. Jesus, instead of walking, I'm, I'm seeing the map in my mind, instead of walking over here through Decapolis and down around into, into the bottom part of Israel, he walks right through Samaria. Okay? Remember the story about Nazareth? Even that's up in the northern area. They said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Samaria was way down below that in the Jewish estimation. Yet through the midst of it, Scripture says Jesus walked. And the first thing I want you to know about Jesus is Jesus didn't walk through this world knowing skin color and, and caste and, and uh, different echelons of society and different family names. And, and he, didn't, he didn't hang out with certain people and run. For, Jesus was just a part of this world. And Scripture says he walked 
through the midst of them. Jesus knew people and he respected them. And he gave them value and worth. Verse 12, and in the midst of Samaria, this place that was already unclean, he entered a certain village and there met him 10 men who were lepers. And scripture says they stood afar off. In that time, lepers would have to carry signs with them that said unclean or they'd have to yell if somebody came near them, unclean, unclean. And so these people knew who they were. Society knew who they were. Jesus is walking through a dirty part of the country. He reaches these 10 people that the Jewish people going to a feast would never even get close to. They saw these people, they would run from them, okay? These are the people Jesus is, is, is walking through right now. I want you to imagine that because we do this in society. I remember I was in Albuquerque, New Mexico for some meetings and, and I was walking through downtown at night and there's a huge homeless population in Albuquerque. And I remember watching people in fine dresses and, and, and good attire standing on the sidewalks literally next to homeless people and stepping over them into nightclubs at nighttime. It was as if they weren't even there. And these two groups of society, neither one touched the other one, neither one noticed the other one, or even had any care about the other one. They just were, and it was, it was that separate at this time and for these people. Jesus didn't know people groups, I don't think, very well. I say he didn't know them. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't walk within the lines of what society said. And, and I'm one of these people, I like to meet people. I like to meet people of different backgrounds and, and cultures. I like to travel. And, and uh, so the other day I was down in St. Joe and I came out of this restaurant down in the South End. It was a, kind of a, it, I go to hole in the wall places that, that, that you don't get on Yelp. And, uh, and, and I walked out of this place and there was three old men sitting on the sidewalk across the street in front of this other business. And so I walked across the street and I, started talking to them and and you could tell they weren't you know they weren't they didn't live up on lovers lane and the mansions and they didn't you know these were you know a little rougher group but you could tell it was a group that, that went sat on the sidewalk every day and uh, so this one guy he he says that uh, we, we were talking he, he's probably in his mid-70s he said do you like to do you like natural foods do you like things that are I, said, I don't know what do you mean he said well, I got these berries and he goes to his car and this car is just stuffed full of junk and he pulls this bucket of, uh, out of his car this, this laundry soap bucket he comes back across it's full of these little leafy plants with red berries on them he said you got to try these he said they're they're uh, they're autumn olives and then I looked at them, and I thought, oh, yeah. And so I grabbed those autumn olives. I started eating. Man, they were bitter. They, I mean, you couldn't hardly. And so while, as I'm eating them, he starts telling me about this, this root he dug up in his backyard. And he said, you know, when you try something new, you should just take one bite just to know. He said, I got so sick. He said, I couldn't even make it to the phone. He said, then my dog dug it up, and he died from it. And, and then he starts telling me about how lily pad seeds are hallucinogenics, and, and if you eat lily pad seeds, you'll, and, and I'm eating these red berries that he gave me, you know, just to walking through the midst of them. And Debbie said, you're going to die if you don't quit this behavior. But I want you to think about Jesus as he's walking through the midst of this place. There was nobody in Jerusalem. There was nobody in Israel that said, this is a good idea. And when the lepers showed up, there was nobody that said, go hug that guy. Nobody's hugged him in 10 years. Go, nobody. Everybody said, run. And these men themselves, they knew not to get close. Scripture says that they, they, they stood afar off. They were a feared people, a contagious people. And, out, and uh, uh, they looked different. They lost their families. They lost their occupations. There was nothing in this life for them except to slowly die. 
This is their situation. And they lifted up their voices, verse 13, and they said, Jesus, have mercy on me. And it reminds me of Mark chapter 10 when these blind men were out there and they said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on us. And Jesus says, what do you want from me? And the blind man says, I want to receive my sight. And Jesus said, go your way. Your faith has made you whole. When you're in that situation, you know what you need. You know what you need. These lepers knew. They knew one thing. They woke up every morning with the knowledge that they were going to die. They woke up every morning with the knowledge that there was nobody that was going to talk to them, that was going to love them. People were going to be in horror when they looked at them or if they got near them. And they cried out and said, have mercy on us. To this Jesus who walked through the midst of their lives. Jesus' life and ministry was always in close proximity to the broken. And I want you to think about your life because we say we're going to live like Jesus. We're going to walk like Jesus. How close do you get? How close do you live? How close do you interact with the broken? Do you see your family and go to church and go back to your family? Is that all you see? Do you see the broken? Are you close to the broken? I know pastors that won't go to certain places or be in certain settings because I don't know what people will think of me. I had one guy that told me, like, I'll, I'll never go to a party after a wedding because there might be somebody there that has a drink. I have had some of the best moments to witness to people in those settings. you got to get around the people of this world if you're going to affect them for Jesus Christ. Now, here's the thing. You don't become the world. You've got to walk into settings. You've got to walk into brokenness. Scripture says be careful lest you fall into the same trap, right? So you live with wisdom, but we don't live separate from the brokenness of this life. Scripture says Jesus walked right smack dab through the brokenness of this life. And in the midst of the, I had a guy after a wedding one time, he came up to me, he just started telling me his life story and said, Tim, I got to get back into church. And, and I prayed with him and, you know, you, you if you're willing to be used of God, God will use you, folks. But you've got to get around somebody that needs God. This is the story of all of us. All of us in this life. Every one of us, somebody walked into your life. Somebody walked into your life. Somebody walked into your life and told you about Jesus. Somebody walked into your life and, 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 and steered you. From the time that we're little bitty infants, somebody else was looking out for us. Somebody told you not to go out on the pond until the ice is thick enough. Somebody held the bucket while you threw up. Somebody cared enough to discipline you. Somebody cared enough to teach you a work ethic. Somebody labored to put meals on the table for you and tucked you in at night and then listened to your teenage drama. And somebody cared about you. Somebody got close enough, I hope, into the midst of your life. Something maybe you didn't find it until you were an adult. But somebody got into your life enough to speak into it and to invest into it. Close enough to hear your need and to give you what you need. And Scripture says as they went, it wasn't an immediate effect. Sometimes you reap the benefits from what other people do in your life years and years and years and years and years later. There was a lot of things my parents did when I was a child that I didn't realize. They were right in the midst of my life, and sometimes I didn't want them right in the midst of my life, but they were, you know. And now I start seeing what I'm doing with my kids. 
We prayed before we went to bed growing up. We, had, we were at church every single week. They uh, read us Bible stories every night. You know what I do with my kids now? I take them to church every week. We pray before we go to bed. We read Bible stories in the evening. We're doing the same thing because what they did. Somebody was in my life. And there's a lot of things you don't understand at the time, but then later on you say, wow, that makes sense. I don't have credit card debt today because they didn't have credit card debt. I try to respect my wife and to model that before my children because that's what I saw in my parents. I remember teachers at school and teachers at home and in my family and the community that pushed us to excel and that believed in us. And said, my grandma, my dad's mom used to say, you can do anything anybody else can do. That got in my head somewhere. Somebody else got into the midst of my life. I remember aunts and uncles and grandparents on both sides of the family on the weekends. I remember uncles who taught me how to, how to build with wood. I remember an older fellow in town that took me and Luke on a semi-truck ride to Kansas City to haul grain. I remember a fellow that would take us to, with him to work concrete. I remember all these different ones who walked into the midst of my life, and they didn't have to do anything with it, but they did. And each one of those people, in little and big ways, they shaped the course of my life. Okay, I'm, I'm moving the message just a little bit here, but I want you to look around and think about your life and why you are the way you are and where you are. And the folks who, who had a positive part of that, who had a place in that, and the, and the way God has been faithful to you, even in times that maybe you got a lot of brokenness to you, you got a, broken, a lot of brokenness acted into your life. I remember Lynn Taylor taking me with him uh, to visit different widows in the congregation. I remember, and, 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 and giving me these little, this, these little um, paper cards to memorize scriptures. You know, and, and I think about it. Sometimes I'm standing up here and I'm quoting some scripture that's in my head because it was in my head from the time I was 13 years old from what he did when he walked into my life, invested in me. I remember Larry Mars standing at the back door of the church and I walked out of this church and I said, I'm never going to preach here again. I'm never, it was the first time I'd ever stood behind the pulpit and it was awful. I, I'm sorry, guys. Uh, and I walked out the back door and I was done. And he said, don't give up, Tim. Don't stop. Don't give up. That's what he told me. That's all he told me. Now you're stuck with me every week. I remember a while back I wrote an article for the NAMC. It's our, uh, I'm an editor in, in our minister's magazine publication for the Church of God. And I wrote an article. I said one of the things I'm really grateful for is the people of God. And all the different ways they've invested in my life. And I've got background, Assembly of God, and Methodist, and... Uh, Calvary Chapel and everything else that's kind of all been but the people of God in the big church who have all invested in my life in so many different ways scripture and I'll just ask you this do you tell people thank you do you tell the people that have invested in your life the people that, that have molded you and shaped you do you ever stop and say thank you you know, we've got something in our family when we see a soldier or a veteran, the boys know that we need to go over and say, and they'll remind us, they'll say, go tell them thank you for your service. You know, they'll be the ones sometimes that know first. You know, are you, are you, do you have that culture in your life? Uh, Jody posted something this week. She said, Charlene told her when she had her first, first child, she said the, the, the first thing they need to learn, the first two words are please and thank you. You know, that's truth, folks. Are you a person of gratitude? 
Verse 15 of this passage says this, one of them. How many were there? There was 10 of them. There was 10 of them, and one of the 10, 10% of the people who received healing, whose lives were completely and totally revolutionized, said, I'm going to turn around when I see this healing happen. I'm on the way to the, and, 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 and my, one of them turned around and ran back with a joy unspeakable full of glory. And scripture says he fell down at the feet of Jesus and he worshiped him. And with a loud voice glorified God. How many of your teachers would love to hear you come back with a loud voice and say thank you? How many of your parents would love to hear somebody say thank you for not giving up on me and for investing in me? How many wives and husbands would love and whose lives would be changed if they heard appreciation for all that they do in the family? How often do you go to God and say, God, I am so grateful for what you've done in my life. You know, sometimes I, I watch my boys sleep, you know, and it's not as creepy as it sounds. But, you know, I walk into their room, and I just stand there and after they've gone to bed, and I stand there, and I pray for them. And I just sit there, and I, and I just think, God, I am so blessed. I am so, like, I just, my heart is just full. And I'm so grateful to God. I tell them, thank you for my family. Statistics said that 90% of the people that experienced the healing didn't go back. And the 90%, do you know who they were? They were the people of God. The one who had never experienced what it was like to go up to Jerusalem to the feast, who had never had a part of the, of the culture and the pilgrimage and the life of the people of God, that one said, wow, this is incredible. I've never seen anything like this. And, and he couldn't contain himself. Scripture says he went back with a loud voice and glorified God. How many of us walk through this life and never with a loud voice do anything except get angry? Rick Steves talks about this pilgrimage, and, he, and, he's, and he's sitting there on this stone step this little town, and he's talking to people as they come by. He said, this guy from New York, and this guy from New York, he was just kind of just kind of frustrated with the whole experience. He said, I've been walking for 15 days, and I, I, I don't got nothing from it. He said, it hadn't done anything for me. He said, and Rick was thinking, boy, this is kind of a dour way to look at this, this, this life experience that you're having. He said, and then behind him comes this flower child. And he said, she's just dancing along the path, and she's singing a song to herself, and her eyes are big, and she's just captivated the wonder of the experience and the life that's about her. And it, he said, look, she stepped out of a painting, and she was so grateful for the experience. Which one looks like you? Which one looks like me? Because so often the children of God are entitled and we are deserving and we are expectant that our Father is going to do what we need. And God blesses us in incredible ways. Ways that we have prayed about even. And we don't stop to say thank you. Maybe we're just too used to seeing the service. There's a song that says, I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene. And I wonder how he could love me, a sinner, condemned, unclean. And then the chorus says, oh, how marvelous, oh, how wonderful, and my song shall ever be. Oh, how marvelous is my Savior's love for me. I'm here because Jesus walked into the midst of my life. And he did it through a whole bunch of different people who led me to Jesus and who took care of me and who invested in me and who said that I had value 
had meaning. I'm here because of that. He heard my cry for mercy, even when I didn't even know how to cry for mercy or didn't know what I needed. He walked through my Samaria. Today, I don't want to be part of the 90%. I don't want to be part of the people of God who are just so used to being the people of God, they never said thank you. Today, I want to run back to Jesus and fall on my face and say thank you. I don't know why you did it. I don't know why you came through my block. I don't know why you came into my life, but you did. And this year, I want to live well. And by well, I want to live with gratitude. I want to live recognizing what I've been given. I want to live in awe that all of my hopelessness has been replaced with life. All my death has been replaced with a future because Jesus walked through my life. This year, I'm grateful for the mercy of God. I'm grateful for the people of God. I'm grateful for you and how you've invested in my life and my family's life. And I pray this year we'll be a people of thanksgiving. Amen? I invite you to stand with us. We're going to sing a final song.